0: This podcast is part of the C-Suite Radio Network, turning the volume up on business. This podcast is sponsored by Grand Heron International. Through a growing network of credentialed and vetted coaches, Grand Heron International brings you on-demand coaching with Coaching On-Site and the Coaching Assistance Program for Corporations. Whether you are a company committed to investing in your leaders, an individual navigating a complex situation, or a coach searching for a superb network of coaches, visit us at GrandHeronInternational.com.
1: Welcome to the Keep Leading Podcast, a podcast dedicated to promoting leadership development and sharing leadership insights. Here's your host, the Leadership Accelerator, Eddie Turner.
0: Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Keep Leading Podcast, the podcast dedicated to leadership development and insights. I'm your host, Eddie Turner, the Leadership Accelerator. I work with leaders, to accelerate performance and drive impact through the power of facilitation, coaching, and professional speaking. What comes to your mind when you hear the word grace? For many, it immediately triggers thoughts of religion and the belief in the free and unmerited favor of God or blessings. For others, it brings to mind the simple and elegant movements of a dancer or a person who is refined in the way that they carry themselves. My guest today approaches the word grace in similar ways, but also adds a new twist and shows how grace is something that should matter to every leader at every level. My guest today is John Baldoni. John is an internationally recognized executive coach and leadership educator who speaks throughout North America and Europe. John is the author of 14 books, including the book we'll discuss today, Grace, A Leader's Guide to a Better Us. John's books have been translated into 10 languages. In 2018, Inc.com named John a top 100 speaker. In 2019, Global Gurus ranked John as number nine on its list of top 30 global leadership experts, a list John has been on since 2007. 2014, Inc.com listed John as a top 50 leadership expert. John has authored more than 700 leadership columns for a variety of online publications, including Forbes, Harvard Business Review, and Inc.com. I am excited to have the amazing John Baldoni. John, welcome to the Keep Leading Podcast. What an opening. My
2: goodness, uh, Eddie, you uh, you make me feel like I'm somebody important. So thank you for that warm (laughs) and gracious uh, welcome. And I'm happy to be on your show to talk about grace and
0: leadership. Well, you are absolutely someone important, and especially someone who our dear mutual friend Sally Hagelson talks about with deep admiration. So if Sally loves you, I love you too, John. (laughs) Sally's very
2: special, and as a matter of fact, she appears in Grace because she kindly gave her time to share her thoughts on what Grace means to her.
0: Yes, yes. And that's another good reason to pick it up, to get the thoughts of uh, uh, the great leaders you've interviewed. So we'll talk about that. But I think perhaps the first thing we need to understand is what is grace? Grace is the catalyst for the greater
2: good. So what do I mean by that? Grace from a faith-based tradition is given to us without strings attached, and it's our job as recipients to do with it what we will. And so I kind of think of it as a facilitation, as a lubricant that loosens up our ability to think of others instead of ourselves. From a leadership standpoint, grace is that enabler that positions a leader toward others. Now, the concept of grace to me came out of my work in leadership purpose. I've written a couple of books around this. And purpose is our spark, I think, and many have said is our why. And from this why becomes our, our vision, which is our sense of becoming. It's also our mission, which is our doing and our building. Now, it also sh- carries over to our values. But, you know, Eddie, you, you've worked with uh, senior executives and you know you can achieve a vision and a mission in spite of people. I think it's better and obviously more <laughs> sustainable and more welcoming to others. If we bring people with us along, that's where grace enters. So purpose is our why grace becomes our, how that is how we treat others.
0: Very well said. Yes, indeed. In fact, in some organizations, it's been said with you, without you, or in spite of you, (laughs) you got that right. (laughs) Yes. Yeah, so what a beautiful way of defining it. And uh, you go so far as to not only use the traditional definitions as it relates to the context that I used in the introduction, but you've even created an acronym. I did. And Grace, the
2: take them one at a time, is generosity, which is that kind of open-heartedness, um, looking at others and being generous. And also, if we take it from a leadership standpoint, it comes with sharing authority, sharing responsibility as a means of achieving greater ends, again, Eddie, with people. R is respect. And that's the mindset where you look at the dignity of work but the dignity of humans who contribute to that work. It's also the sense of open-heartedness. And I look at you, and my first assumption is not pejorative, it's I'm gonna assume the best in you, Eddie. I want, as a leader, I want us to work together. I want you to embrace our mission. So rather than any preconceptions I might have about you, I'm gonna assume the best in you. Easy to say, but so often, you know, especially in large organizations, some of us incur a label, which is less than favorable. A more respectful leader will say, I'm gonna deal with this folk person and I'm gonna go in with an open mind, okay? The next part is action. And as you well know, leaders, they think, but they're judged by their actions. The next thing is compassion. And that's the caring, the concern, the, uh, the paying off the generosity and respect for others. And the fifth one is E, which is energy. If leaders are going to lead, they have to have that energy, which means they care for themselves, but also they become the catalyst for energizing their organizations. And as you can see in this acronym, the generosity, respect, and compassion um, work together as do action and energy.
0: Interesting. So not only are you giving us an acronym to make it easy to remember Aspects of grace that we want to apply, but it sounds like you're saying there's a framework that underlies this.
2: I I think so. And it's not that we go about our life and say, well, am I a G or am I an R or or those kinds of things? It's an overall um, concept of thinking of others and what I do to others to bring them together. And that I, as the leader, have to act on my inclinations and I have to move the organization forward. So That's kind of what I'm getting
0: at. But when you say that the GRC go together, generosity, respect, and compassion go together, and then action and energy go together, can you tell me a little bit more about that?
2: Well, it's that... um, the GRC, generosity, respect, and compassion are virtues. They're attributes that we want to see in our leaders, but that's part of the human condition. We want to work with people who are generous. Why? Because we have a. if I'm working for a generous leader, I'm going to have the ability to share my ideas. If I work for a boss who respects me, again, I'm going to feel that I have someone who has my back. And if I work with a boss who is compassionate, then I know that his or her heart is in the right spot, whether it's directed toward me or others. It's how we how we see that leader treat others, and of course, you know, from a practical standpoint, more of a management standpoint, is the leader acting, and is the leader keeping the team on uh, focused in the right direction. So that's the energy and the action.
0: Excellent, thank you. So, John. What made you want to write this book? Well, as we had talked
2: earlier, um, Eddie, I think we live in very contentious times, and um, I think there's not grace in our world. I-, I think it's there, excuse me, it's not talked about enough. And what we are uh, more inclined to do is to be judgmental, be pejorative, uh, quick, quick on the trigger, rather than listen and learn. Grace is that kind of. It's a a virtue, if you will, that enables other virtues to, for us to be thankful for who we are, what we can contribute, but also an attribute toward, I'm not in this alone. I can only achieve what I want to achieve with and through other people. And grace is also that um, leavening, that spirit that enables us to ha- live more open-heartedness. And Integral to grace are the concepts of mercy and forgiveness. And in our contentious world, when we see a wrong or perceive a wrong, how quick are we on the trigger to draw conclusions? Grace is that uh, element that says, no, let's take a step back. Grace is also, and I write about this in the book, Um, is a sense of connectedness. And one of the people I profile in the book is Father Greg Boyle, who started Homeboy Industries and still runs it, the largest gang intervention program in the country. It's based in Los Angeles. And Father Boyle um, is also a terrific writer. And in his new book, Barking at the Choir, he talks about radical kinship. And that's being there for someone else. And when we are there for someone else, We are sharing our lives, our space, and our life with them.
0: That's where grace enters the picture, Eddie. So, Thank you. And you do a wonderful job, as you cited the one example there. Uh, You do a great job of citing a lot of real-life examples that bring these principles to life. And in fact, as you were going through and you said generosity, respect, when you hit the word respect, I thought about the Queen of Soul, R-E-S-P-E-C-T, Rita Franklin herself. And you talk about her in the book and you go to John McCain and LeBron James. I mean, you, you bring together so many stories that are relatable. Uh, talk about a little bit of those that maybe you have the, the book is replete with them. But which sure. one probably stands out the most to you that you like that really underscores the point that you want people to take away from the book?
2: Thank you for mentioning those three. And what, um, I'll jump on LeBron for a minute. I mean, we all know him as certainly the greatest basketball player of his generation, but what I think is so exceptional about LeBron is that he grew up in very hard circumstances. He didn't have a father and it was raised by a single mother. And that, you know, at 18 years old, had a hundred million dollar contract from, uh, Nike. And we look at his life and I don't know, uh, he's not perfect. None of us are, but I don't know one negative headline about him. And, but that's someone in him, or I mean, that's grace in action, but more importantly, what he's done certainly and the, we watch him on the basketball court and that's, Grace and the sense of movement and teamwork and all that, but he has given himself over to making the world a better place and where he can apply it. And I choose the example of the I Promise School, uh, which is in Akron, his hometown. And he's very focused on doing. It's not just stroking a check, but active in the community. He gives of himself. And he donates his time. That's grace. And um, another example is Fred Rogers. You know, uh, Mister Rogers' uh, Neighborhood. Eddie, next time you see somebody, say the word Fred Rogers and dollars to donut. <laughs> they'll have a smile. Just like you just laughed, they'll have a smile on their face because he bring because his life um, brought joy to others. While he, you know he was an ordained minister, his ministry was television, specifically children's television. And he the way he connected with children was really a way to connect with all of us, but it was a kindness, a sharing, a teaching, um, and helping children learn, but also their parents. And that's a lesson from which all of us can learn.
0: You tell a story in the book uh, about him. Can you mind sharing that with our listeners? is about the boy with the uh, cerebral palsy. Um, yes, sir. And that's a wonderful
2: story. And Fred Rogers met this young man with cerebral palsy and had a long conversation with him. And I think they'd met several times and he was with an interviewer, a reporter, and the reporter heard Fred Rogers say to the young man, please pray for me. And then later they were talking and, and the reporter said something to the effect of, well, that was really kind of you to to say that, to you know, and he goes. Fred Rogers says, "Well, what do you mean?" And he goes, "Well, you know, you ask the child to pl- pray for you, and that, you know, you're making him feel um, special." He goes, "I didn't do it for him. I did it for me. Yeah. That young man is close to God." So, in other words, you know, that's the sen- the sincerity and the generosity of that spirit. Um, looking at, it's not about me. It's about. All of us together. And I think that was the essence of Fred Rogers.
0: Yeah. And I love how he said that anyone that has gone through everything that he's gone through and is still able to have the disposition he has must be close to God. Absolutely. I figured he could do me a favor. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. So I thought that was beautiful. And a wonderful example of humility and a willingness to be vulnerable and what that says about leaders and really what would happen if more leaders could have the approach of being uh, vulnerable and being humble at at times.
2: Absolutely, Eddie. And I'm sure that you're coming across that we're seeing lots of more demand for a humble leader and a vulnerable leader. And while that's good for us coaches to talk about, Eddie, and people kind of head nod when we do, it really, really works. You know, in the sense of humility, is not prostrating yourself in front of others, but it's a recognition of one's shortcomings and a willingness to openly discuss them, not in a woe is me attitude, but from a leadership perspective to say, hey, this is not my strong suit, but I know somebody on my team like Eddie who's great in finance or great in strategy or whatever. And I surround myself with people better than me in specific arenas. That's a sense of humility. And it's also when we make a mistake, we have the courage to stand up and apologize and not just say if I've offended anybody, but talk about what you, <laughs> how you've hurt someone. And more importantly, we always need when an apology is to couple it with amends. How will you make it right? And that's where vulnerability comes in, showing my shortcomings. And a leader who doesn't uh, acknowledge shortcomings is a leader who's really a weak leader, who's, who's mm-hmm. cutting him or herself off from the support of others. But also, as you well know from coaching, Eddie, that lack of self-knowledge will hurt them in the long run because they won't have the coping skills
0: when adversity strikes. Absolutely. Very well said, John. And I chuckle a bit because there's nothing worse than an apology that begins with the word if. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one.
2: That's a great, yeah, I'm going to steal that, Eddie. That's a good yeah. one.
0: I just had this situation with the client the other day. And it was like, no, no, let's try that again. <laughs> no. Right. Right. Well, John, I'm enjoying this conversation with you. We are talking with John Baldoni, one of the world's top leadership gurus, and he is talking about his book, Brace. And as we think about grace, he's helping us to understand it's a leader's guide to a better us. We'll hear more from John right after a word from our sponsors.
1: This podcast is sponsored by Eddie Turner, LLC. Organizations who need to accelerate the development of their leaders call Eddie Turner, the leadership accelerator. Eddie works with leaders to accelerate performance and drive impact. Call Eddie Turner to help your leaders one-on-one as their coach or to inspire them as a group through the power of facilitation or a keynote address. Visit eddieturnerllc.com to learn more. This is
2: Patricia Fritt, the presentation skills
1: expert, and you're
2: listening to the Keep Leading podcast with my friend, Eddie Turner.
0: All right, we're back, everyone, and I am talking to the amazing global leadership guru, John Baldoni, and he's talking to us about leadership grace. Before the break, John, you were explaining some things from your book, and there's something that you said in your book that I would like to actually read verbatim about uh, grace and how it relates to leaders, and then get your thoughts on this. Leaders who demonstrate grace are those who are first and foremost comfortable in their own skin. They know themselves, warts and all. They show up shortcomings with people who can do tasks with better fluency. At the same time, such individuals do not shrink their responsibility. They use it as a means to accomplish good things for the team. Adversity often brings out the best in such people. Grace in all of its dimensions. Most of all, courage is something that enriches a leader's perspective making him or her at once admirable as well as accessible. Tell me a little bit more about that. You were saying something similar to this before we went to break.
2: Right. And thank you for quoting that because I certainly don't remember it. Um, (laughs) (laughs) uh, But no, it it actually sums up a lot of things um, I think about when I, about leadership. And I think that the operative point is it's the old concept of it's not me, it's we. And that's what leaders are, Must successful leaders are other directed. And when you're other directed, that's a sense of responsibility, Eddie. And when you're responsible for others, um, you need to take stock of yourself. Am I the best person to lead them? And while we hope the answer is an affirmative, as we were talking before, just because I you know, have the best um, I can lead and bring my people together, part of my ability to bring people together is a I create opportunities for others, but also I shine a light on other people. and thirdly, I bring talented people. To me, you know, I always have this discussion. Some, and you probably do too, Eddie. With we talk to an executive, and they talk about you know a, a high performing executive, and and they the term is a flight risk, meaning that that person is highly recruited. Mm-hmm. And I always say to him. Would you rather have a bunch of people on your team that nobody wants, or would you want <laughs> people on your team that everybody wants? And of course, the, the answer is we want teams of, I'd want every one of my team members to be wanted by other people. and, and but they choose to stay with my team. Why? Because I provide them the opportunity so they can excel. And doing that, I acknowledge my strengths, but more importantly, I shine the light on them and I ask for their ideas because I'm not the best strategist. I'm not the best visionary. I'm not the best finance person, whatever it may be, but gosh, darn it. I got people who are, and that's what we all want to be part of. And of course the overlay to all of this, um, Eddie, and I know you do this with work, is what do we want to be part of? We all want to be part of working toward a goal that is greater than ourselves. And when we have that greater goal than ourselves, people want to pull together. If we have a a leader who enables us to contribute, recognizes us for it, and pulls us
0: together. Very nicely said, John. And as I listened to you talk about the conversation you have with your clients on the idea of having a deep bench of talented people who everybody wants versus a bench of folks who nobody's trying to pilfer from them. It reminded me of my work in talent development and oftentimes in designing learning programs and offering development programs, the expense issue would come up. And there was a quote I read somewhere and I don't remember who to attribute it to, but it was something along the lines of, Train people well enough to where they can go anywhere, but treat them well enough where they'll stay.
2: That's dynamite. That's a great comment, and it's exactly true. And then you know, there's there's a sense of reciprocity. If yes. I'm working for you and you're investing in me, that engenders loyalty. You don't engender loyalty when I say Eddie, be loyal to me. I'll say why, but if Eddie. <laughs> you compensate me, you provide me for growth opportunities, you allow me to do my projects and all of this stuff within the parameters of our organization, that engenders loyalty. And frankly, if I don't show loyalty to that, well, shame on
0: me. (laughs) Indeed. indeed. Well, is there something a leader can do to make grace flourish in their organizations? I think so in the sense of be other directed. So in other words, it's
2: not about me, it's about you and all good leaders. And I think do this, they are focused on the team. And one of the folks that I interviewed in the book, of course, is Alan Mulally who ran Ford motor company and Alan, his mantra was the team, the team, the team, the one Ford. And he would always talk about uh, bringing people together. And part of that is to share their ideas, help, uh, problem solved together, Um, all of these kinds of things. So it's the mindset of being other directed, but also with a sense of, we haven't said this word yet, but kindness. I'm going to assume the best in you. I'm going to be generous in spirit. I'm going to respect you. I'm going to care about you as a human being. I'm going to care about your life and all of these things together and that's where grace comes in. It's a it's an attitude toward others. Again, it's this side of kinship, being there for others, with others, and we're in it to succeed
0: together. Wonderful. And you mentioned Alan Lally there in that response. And you and I talked about Sally Hegelson at the start of our program. You interviewed other well-known leadership gurus including Stephen Covey. Uh, Is there another one of these great people who you interviewed that you'd like to tell us about?
2: Sure. Stephen M. R. Covey is the son of Stephen Covey, and um, he had some great stories about his father. But the thing was, is that Stephen's carved his niche on trust and trust is that bedrock virtue. Without trust, there really cannot be any leadership. And I think that grace is one of those things that facilitates trust because it's focuses on, it's not about me, it's about all of us together. Another person I talked about in the book or interviewed is Scott Moorhead, who runs a very successful entrepreneurial uh, venture, TCC. They're a premium Verizon reseller. And Scott is a serial entrepreneur, does, has lots of successful businesses. But Scott has a phrase called permission to care. And he's very philanthropical within his company, enabling people to volunteer on company time in their communities. Uh, They're outreaching and they're retail organizations, so they have a footprint in, I don't know, 2,000 communities around America. And and employees are encouraged to become active in those communities. And There's paid volunteer time for that, but the permission to care is it's okay to care about someone else on a personal level. It's okay to act on your compassion. It's okay to be generous in your spirit. And of course, it's okay to be respectful of others. And I I love Scott's idea about permission to care.
0: Permission to care. Yes, that is an interesting phrase indeed to be able to incorporate. Anyone else that you like to tell us about? There's so
2: much in you know in the folks I talked about in the book and the stories are again and again of people who have been slighted or wronged. And yet they rose above it or didn't dwell on it. They didn't dwell on the petty things. They looked to the bigger picture. And example of that would might be, of course, I think uh, Jimmy Carter, who's, God bless him, 95, and um, served one term as president. But gosh, what an... Fantastic ex president he has been. He's been active in internationally in peace and health issues. But just he works physically. Works for Habitat for Humanity. He teaches uh, Bible school. He is a prolific author. He's just a man of humility and knows himself and what he can do. And he's outward directed. So um, you may not have liked him as president, but gosh, as an ex president and as a human being. What an extraordinary man, a man of grace.
0: Yes, very well said. And uh, you've not just written this book, but I find it staggering that you've written 14 books that have been translated into 10 different languages. What an accomplishment. Now, it may sound like I'm asking you the proverbial, which of these is your favorite children question? But really, is there one of these that, that is your favorite or that stands out the most that you find yourself referencing more than the other? Uh, you know, it's, it's it's a good
2: question, Eddie. And I have favorites. My book, Great Motivation, Secrets of Great Leaders. My book, Lead with Purpose. My book before this, Moxie. Right now, because I'm actively talking about it a great deal, uh, it's grace. But the themes to all of those have evolved over time. And is that leadership, it's not about you, it's about us. And what a simple thing to say, but how often we sometimes, when we get caught up in our own world, we forget that. And that's the other thing about that. You know, leaders are not saints. Leaders are frail human creatures. And one of my favorite people in history is Winston Churchill. And I've read a lot of biographies of him. And every time I think I know him, I really, I learned something else about him. And certainly you can point to his foibles, but as a quote of one of his contemporaries, Lady Lytton, who was a suffragette said, you will know Winston's vices or weaknesses at a glance. It will take you a lifetime to learn his virtues. And she might've been saying it kind of as a dig, but I, I prefer to think of it that was a compliment and saying that he was an honorable man. He could drive people nuts and he was (laughs) drove his own party, a political party nuts. And he drove his wife crazy at times, but, his, his heart was in the right place. He was a physically courageous man, a voracious reader, always exploring new technologies. He became a pilot later in his life. Um, all of these kinds of things. He was head of this voracious curiosity and also a good sense of self. He knew when he made mistakes and was not afraid to admit it. And so in some ways, you know that Churchillian mindset of being the A good leader, but also one with human weaknesses is a good model to keep. Because and when we leaders, when leaders do make mistakes, acknowledge it and apologize, make amends, resolve to do the right thing the next time. Because if you dwell on your mistakes, as you know, and I'm sure that it comes up in coaching all the time, Eddie, is how do I get out of this and how do I grow from this? Learning from our mistakes is maybe the greatest lesson we can learn if, of course, we pay attention.
0: Yes. And that is the qualifier because otherwise we end up making the same mistakes over and over again and no learning is taking place. So very nice. John, I'm enjoying our conversation. And uh, one of the things I'm thinking about is how do we you know, pull this all together? What's the overarching message you would like to leave our listeners with as a summary? I'm going to repeat what I
2: said earlier because I'm not clever enough to come up with something else, but it's more or less purposes are why. In other words, what's my leadership purpose and how can I fulfill it in my vision for myself, my vision for my team, my organization? And my mission is and what I do, but grace becomes our how. I want to have a mindset where I and a, I mean not just a mindset, but I want to be other directed. Um, I want to be there for other people. I want to be accessible. I want to help my team grow. I want to be there when people are in crisis. I want to be there when my team is facing adversity, and I want to celebrate the wins with my team.
0: Wonderful. <laughs> I love it. Well, thank you for sharing your insights with us. It's not every day someone gets to get a top leadership guru, number nine uh, on, their, on the show. So uh, what an honor and a, a publisher really have you. And I uh, just can't thank you enough, John, for being well, on the show. Eddie, you ask great questions
2: and you made it easy for me and I am grateful to you. You are a man of grace.
0: I appreciate it. And please tell my listeners what they can learn more about you.
2: My website's the easiest way, which is simply my name, johnbaldoni.com. Uh, I also write regularly for forbes.com. You'll find me there. And I also do videos as well as columns for smartbrief.com. And also I've got almost 200 videos on YouTube,
0: coaching videos. Wonderful. Well, we'll put all of that in the show notes so folks can find you connect with you and continue to follow you and learn from you thank you eddie thank you again john and thank you for listening that concludes this episode everyone i'm eddie turner the leadership accelerator reminding you that leadership is not about our title or our position leadership is an activity leadership is action It's not the case of once a leader, always a leader. It's not a garment we put on and take off. We must be a leader at our core and allow it to emanate in all we do. So whatever you're doing, always keep leading.
1: Thank you for listening to your host, Eddie Turner, on the Keep Leading podcast. Please remember to subscribe to the Keep Leading Podcast on iTunes or wherever you listen. For more information about Eddie Turner's work, please visit eddieturnerllc.com.
2: Thank you for listening to C-Suite Radio, turning the volume up on business. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business
0: podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.